Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and, uh, well, I was the maestro Madeira um, coming up here last week. It was so much fun uh, tasting all these wines from around the world, and I hope you have a good time listening to the show. If you ever miss a show, remember we have a website. It's called happyhourradio.net, and you can check out the Facebook page where people post fun stuff and ask some questions. And uh, if you're in the Twitter sphere, uh, you'd like to tweet, it's at happyhrradio. Um, it is June. It's uh, Father's Day weekend. Uh, happy Father's Day, everybody, and I hope you're enjoying some great wine. I've got uh, one of the Mac Daddies of, of the Washington wine industry here now. He's uh, he's coming up on his second, uh, well, I guess he's pushing his second uh, decade. His name is Hal Landvoit, and he is the director of winemaking for Precept, which is a really cool company located here in Seattle, um, uh, much like Chateau Saint-Michel and uh, uh, Charles Smith Wines. It is a rather large company, but uh, it's very focused on all sorts of wine styles. And uh, here from Washington and Idaho and uh, Oregon, uh, of course, uh, I think we've got some South African coming up, and German and Australia, if I remember correctly. But uh, let's go ahead and talk to the director of winemaking from Precept Wine, Hal Leinvoit. Welcome to Happy Hour. How you doing, Chris? I'm great, man. Happy Saturday night. Thanks for coming by. And I know you got a big Father's Day party to go to after this, and it uh, should be fun. But uh, we're here to talk about and entertain all of our listeners and talk about the world of wine, beer, cider, spirits, and more. And uh, you are the director of winemaking. Uh, 14 years now, huh? Yeah, 14 years, which seems seems like a long time but on paper, but in reality, it only feels like about two or three. So. Right. You got to talk seven generations, something like out of the faults or something. <laughs> yeah. in the right I think it's all in dog years. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There you go. It's two years in dog years. Um, director of winemaking, that sounds like a huge title. Uh, sounds like a very cool title, but uh, it sounds like you might not even get dirty with that title. But tell me, what do you do? Uh, so I all of the different wine facilities, so we have a number of different Canoe Ridge in Walla Walla. We've got Waterbrook in Walla Walla. We've got uh, St. Chapelle out in Idaho and Sawtooth in Idaho. We've got Gruet in New Mexico and Willow Crest in Prosser area. And so my main job is just to help everybody who's a winemaker in those facilities sort of negotiate their way through our big company. So we have a lot of wine. I help them understand where the resources are, how to do what they do, maybe a little more cost effectively or things that maybe they want to have happen but they don't feel like they can talk the the management team into doing it i can i can sort of take <laughs> their desires and translate that into a more uh economically interesting proposal to the to the people with the money well you remember the story of uh, uh penfolds and grange is anybody doing a little side project there is there, is there a barrel somewhere in one of those wineries that no one knows about or do you know about <laughs> there's i I th- I think the thing you go into any winery, there's always a couple of little barrels tucked away here or there, and the wine we're going to talk about today actually sort of came out of that kind of a project. So it's you know we've we've gotten much bigger than that at this point. But what we started with was a 200 case Cabernet blend, and we've now grown to 10 SKUs and thousands of cases. Started with 200 cases, huh? 200 cases, eight Indiv- barrels. Went through we went through individually, individually tasted over a thousand cab barrels and pulled out specific blocks 
and specific Coopers that matched up in a way that we really felt like showcased what we were looking for. And, and it, and it started there. And the first and the second year, if you talk to John Freeman, those were the sort of the, those were years that were the most fun because we were just sort of exploring. And then when the numbers get big and you're like, okay, this year we're going to do 2,500,000 cases, 2,500 cases, or we're going to do 5,000 cases, then, then that's when the, you know, you really got to put your skills to the test. And you're referring to the genesis of this new brand, the namesake brand for Andrew Brown. It's called Brown Family Vineyards. Yep. And this was founded in? Uh, first vintage was in 2004. 2004. Is it? Okay, it is that old. So that's when yeah. you got on board. I was surprised. I, I hadn't seen this label until probably six years ago. Right. So so initially it was very, we were very limited. It was mostly on premise. We just, we just didn't have a lot to sell to begin with. And so it sort of went out through the network almost on allocation to key partners that we had and people that we you know wanted to just sort of give something back to that was special. Right on. Um, and it's come a long way. Uh, let's talk about Andrew Brown, the founder. Uh, he got into wine. I remember he was a salesperson for G. Raiden back in the day, and then he yep. got an idea. But there was another story, and how appropriate on a Father's Day. Tell me about the story. Yep. So Andrew Brown, growing up, his uh, grandfather, William Bittner Brown, was uh, was in the Great War, Great War World War II. Um, just a really sort of incredible guy. Um, amazing soldier. Uh, worked at, worked in a lot of different things in the war, but he also, traveling around Europe, really developed a love for Bordeaux and for Bordeaux wines. And so as Andrew grew up, he sort of had that experience that all of us that probably are in the wine in- industry at some point remember, which is sitting you know, on your dad's lap or sitting on your grandfather's lap or sitting at the table with your grandparents and they give you a little tiny thimble of wine to sip and, they, and you taste it and you have this sort of Sour face. Sour face experience. <laughs> and but but we keep coming back to it because and and for some people that, that takes hold in a way that's much more uh magnetic than for other people. And the, for the for the for those of us where it really grabs you, it's you know, just like being a writer or being a painter, once you sort of go down that road, there's no other road to go down anymore. And so he really Andrew was inspired by his grandfather, but you know, not just about wine, but about how to live life, um, about how to be uh, you know, a good person within a family, how to be a good person with it just as a member of, of any community, whether that's your church or your the school that your kids go to or just the town that you live in. And really, we're, you know, we we see a lot of quotes from him um, around the office and we and we hear a lot about that from Andrew. And he just really it's it's one of those people that you think, man, it would have been great to have him just be at a barbecue with him. Uh, it's uh, it's very familiar for me. Obviously, I have a great admir- admiration for my mother's father, my uh, grandfather, Grandpa Lee, which is uh, the namesake of my middle name, and he is still alive. He's 90 years old. He was just kind of just past the war, so he wasn't quite there. Uh, but, you know, we look at those folks, and what a mentor we have in our lives. Um, of course, our fathers are important, too, but, you know, my dad was a doctor, and he was gone a lot. And he was working a lot, so um, time with Grandpa was like a lot, lot easier because he, he was gone in the morning. Anyway, um, so Andrew Brown he started uh, he started Precept with the first Brown label, or what? tell me the genesis. Uh, it really genesis. came. So we Precept had been around for a couple of years, really as a as a wine production company. At that point, we didn't own a whole lot, and in I guess it'd be about two thousand. Four or five, we had bought Waterbrook Winery, uh, and in sort of you know in sort of going through the the barrels that water, that John Freeman at Waterbrook had made it, and in tasting through things, we you know there were some things that really 
fit really well into the Waterbrook portfolio. And there were some, there were some wines in there. Waterbrook is really an American oak focused wine. And if you, if you know, American oak has a very distinct palate to mm-hmm. it. That's, it's not, you know, it's, that's very different than French oak. And we so we, coconut, dill, right. marshmallow, things like that. And, and so we, we, stumbled across these French oak barrels, and we're like, wow, these are really great. What are they for? And John's sort of comment was, well, that's the spice rack to make, you know, to sort of fill out the American oak. And we all felt like, well, this this could just be its <laughs> own. There's something here that could be its own thing. And I think for Andrew, it, just in the back of his mind, you know, this if you if you, if you you look at the brown Cabernet right on the back, it says a tribute to my grandfather. I mean, it's, it's, it's really that clear. And so I think for him, this isn't something that just came up on a whim i think this is probably something that he'd been thinking about you know well over his 30 years in the industry of how do i just sort of create something that really honors that memory a legacy wine if you will and it's pretty exciting so we've got three wines here now you make more than three or three there's more expressions of uh the brown family vineyards wines at the portfolio um and more importantly you have a brand new tasting room down in pioneer square right we do it's uh it's right on let me look at the address here because i I just know it's next to, to Carmine's. Yeah, it's first. right next to Carmine's, four thirteen First Avenue. It's it's just a lovely little spot to stop in, especially if you're if you're going to a game, coming back from a game. Yeah, Sounders, Mariners, Seahawks, roaming around in in uh, in Pioneer Square, and it starts to rain. It's just it's a great spot to stop off. That's you know maybe a little calmer than than most of the bars that are along the. Along the byway there. You're right. I think it's it's the second to last watering hole on the west side of First Avenue there because that last one is that little triangle tavern. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're the last little spot. Um, well, so fun. And now tell me about the tasting room. Is open seven days a week or just so we can get some? Yeah, seven days a week. Um, like at nine, so in case I got to yeah, eat my little. I think, it's, I think it's about, I think it's 11 <laughs> to, you know, seven or eight. Depends seven, on the time yeah. of the day. Um, I think I think to a degree it kind of depends on the traffic. If, you know the traffic, how busy is it? If it's a rainy day and you've yeah. got a lot of people that have stopped off after work and they wanna they wanna hang out, I think yeah, there's some you know there's definitely some flexibility to stay open a little Let bit later. Let them have and wine. It's yeah. a it's a small crew there. It's a really it's it's a it's really. Uh, I've been going for since we opened in February, and it really, to me, even though it's the company that I work for and they get paid to be nice to me, um, it also feels <laughs> a little bit like Cheers, where you walk in and people, like, not just the people that work there, but also the people that pop in for a drink, you start to see the same people. Oh, yeah, it's it's a very familiar place. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I was there, I had a private tour and had an opportunity to, to meet Courtney and Andrew. Um, so you've got some wine here. I had a chance to taste them a couple months ago, but this is even better because I have a chance to taste them with Hal Lanvoy, the director of winemaking precept. The first wine is a rosé. Yes, it's our uh, 2017 Grenache rosé. Um, comes off two of, two of our vineyards, Canyon Vineyard Ranch, which is a Yakima property, and then we pull some more Grenache out of Alder Ridge and the Horse Heaven Hills. It gives you, you know, Grenache, I think, is, it's one of those classic Southern French rosé varietals. Um, it's just a lovely color, gives you really nice kind of strawberry-scented fruit. Um, and just having that little bit of Horse Heaven in there gives it a little more texture, makes it a little more, a little more of a spine than than what you might get from some other rosés. Uh, you know, Grenache is a, is a, is the stalwart of many rosés, of course, in the south of France. And here in Washington as well, um, it's a very fleshy grape. It's absolutely red-fruited. It uh, doesn't have a lot of acidity, but um, in this case, it works quite well. Uh, and this is 100% Grenache. Now, it's interesting. Your alcohol here looks rather low. It looks like it's 12-point-something. Um, makes me think that you either picked really early, but I'm not getting the malic acid that I want, or that you sort of uh, helped soften it in some way. Sweet. 
we we crop it a little heavier. We're not one of the, one of the you know for this wine in particular. We're really we're really trying to be in that sort of European style. I would say for this whole brand, as much as they are Washington wines, we don't we don't have the Washington stamp flag planted into the top of them. We want them to stand up first and foremost. It's just they're just really good, you know, national and world class wines. And if you come to them not knowing that you're buying a Washington wine, but then you make that discovery that, wow, this is possible out of Washington State, then that's a great thing. If you come to them because you're looking for Washington wine and you and you some you discover that these are maybe styled or structured a little different than what other people are doing in Washington State, it's it's because we're very we're very purposeful about about being that way. And John Freeman's the winemaker, so he's actually helping produce the the Brown family vineyard wines or is Yes, this- he's he is a hundred percent at the at the at the helm there. And his first vintage was ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, so he was he was selected by Eric Rindall, who was the founder of Oh, Waterbrook, that's right. Yes, and, Eric Rindall. Yeah, and has been there for you know as longer than any of us have been at Precept. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still over there in Walla Walla, which is pretty wild. Yeah, um, very cool. And so we've got two more wines. Why don't you tease these because we'll probably take a little break before we get into both of them. Okay, so we've got our twenty fifteen uh, red blend. That's what I would call an almost Bordeaux red blend, or what, that means what we in Washington, <laughs> what we in Washington call Washington State Bordeaux blend, and then we've got our uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a true Bordeaux styled Cabernet. Awesome. Now uh, the first one's called 2015 Tribute, and the second, of course, is 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the Brown Family Vineyards, um, and 2015 was really a phenomenal vintage for Washington State because it seemed to be like everything was in queue, everything was right on balanced from uh, April to August, right? Yeah. And so, and I, 2005 was the same way. I think maybe there's something with the number five in the vintage that's that's extra magic. Um. Extra magic. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, we'll find out. So we're going to take a taste here. Now, you have a website, right? Is it Precept Wine or is it Waterbrook Wine? So we or? have Precept Wine, but you can also just go to uh, brownfamilyvineyards.com, and that just gets you, Precept Wine sort of directs you to all of our different entities. But really, if you want to get the information that you want to get, Brown Family Vineyards is going to be the most up-to-date for what's going on with Brown. Okay, and actually we should give a shout-out to Andrew because this is his first Father's Day, or a Father's Day for his first son or child, right? Yeah, I, so he he actually has two. So he has Elliot and he also has uh, Brooks, Brooks, who was just recently born. So. Awesome. Okay, stick around, folks. We'll be right back with Hal Anvoit of Precept Wine right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, happy Father's Day to all the uh, big daddies out there. Congratulations on having a great Saturday night. Hope that is great. Uh, I've got three glasses of wine here in front of me. The first is Brown Family Vineyards uh, Rosé of Grenache which was produced in the European style, and I got two red wines here. One is called the Tribute, and the other is Cabernet Sauvignon, both 2015 vintage. And, of course, I have the pleasure of having Hal Landvoit, who is the Director of Winemaking for Precept, and we're chatting about uh, the new tasting room, which is down in Pioneer Square, the Brown Family Vineyards tasting room. It's really cool. Um, and you've got something down there. Let's talk about it. You have uh, Champagne Shooters. Yeah, so we one of the other uh, wineries we own out of uh, New Mexico, of all places, is Gruet Winery. Great which is- stuff. Just another classic American story of French family comes 
decides they're going to make champagne in New Mexico of all places and really set make some of the best sparkling wine that's produced in the U.S. And so we've teamed up with a local. It's actually a local company that makes something called the Chambong. That is, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, if you can imagine a champagne flute that that's a sham wow. Has a bends up at the bottom and almost looks like a, like a pipe that your grandpa might smoke, but you fill it up with champagne, tip it back, and it works. It's it actually a- it worked very well because you're always concerned that with champagne you've got so many bubbles that'll be too frothy, um, but it it slid down quite easily and um, it was you know I don't think I even ripped a big old belch or anything. It's a great pair with oyster shooters, some champagne shooters, and some yes, because you got that uh, Gruet Brut Brut Nature Brut Zero. Uh, was it? It's the uh, Sauvage. The Sauvage, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, and Gruet is great because that that's the Krug cat, the man. One of the guys, the cellar masters of Krug, came over and so he knows what he's doing anyway uh we're chatting about brown family vineyards so the first one is 2015 tribute now you called this a washington style bordeaux blend which <laughs> usually means something but. so we've got it's a it's a blend of predominantly cabernet but cabernet franc merlot petite verdot malbec and then a little bit of syrah blended in and i think syrah is, is one of those wines that washington proudly puts its you know loves to stamp its flag in the ground on um it's it's something that we do really well, well and so it's toast <laughs> and it's we've actually had we've actually had really good success with with our merlot um yeah, it was good actually that one especially and the brown. We, we've seen it coming back a lot but it's still Sarraza is just for a red blend we don't know how people are going to drink this it's it i i always categorize it as you don't know what you're what they're serving at the party but you want to make sure you buy something that goes with everything rosé and red blends are the are the perfect things to take it's true um, uh this smells really really spicy i mean not in a uh i should say it has it's very aromatic it has uh baking spices it has uh thyme and uh, a little bit of uh Gra- this was it fall leaves you've got and this smells like a lot of french oak to me to be honest yeah. and but a, a lot of cabernet quality to it and also a bit of cabernet franc and there's there's a dark dark note here it's cassis and tobacco so we're using 100% french oak barrels we use a lot of toasted heads which really bring a lot of spice and a lot of just that help boost those oak aromatics on the nose um, and then the fruit the majority of this fruit that's going into this is really coming out of uh walla walla and Red Mountain, so so really two two sites that have a lot of structure, bring a lot of spice, but in very different ways. And so we're able to layer that up with some of our Yakima Valley fruit that brings a lot of freshness and sort of more ripeness to it, and and put a, put together a wine that sort of just... Yakima Valley is bringing you more ripeness, huh? Oh, interesting. I, That's for come me, a long I, way. for me, Yakima Valley is is the desert island wine. I think it there's so much that goes on there that. And it's just not recognized enough. Well, um, let me recognize this wine. This is really tasty. This is um, beautiful in the mouth. It's got just a moderate plus weight. You've got the black cherry, black uh, boysenberry, cassis, um, black plum, um, hints of leather and heather. It's uh, really a, a delicious wine. Well made. Um, and it's smooth. And it, it's got enough structure here that I think you could age it for another up to five years. I don't know why you want to wait too long because, to me, this has got all the stuffing that you're digging. And it's, it's, it's in the third year now. I mean, two years in barrel, whatever. And mm-hmm. here it is coming out. And on the first pour, well, I see a little left is missing. But you just open these. Yeah, on the yeah. first pour, that's great. Yeah. We really, I mean, we we make the wines to be ageable, but we also make the wines to be ready to drink right now. Um, right. We appreciate that here on Happy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's not you know. It's it, otherwise. I, I'm always a little disappointed when I get something home and I'm excited to drink it, and then I figure out that I should have waited another two years. It's it's hard to wait two years to drink something. Um, uh, this is true, especially uh, when they when it keeps stacking up. 
I know. Your cellar keeps getting fuller and fuller. You got to you got to drink something. <laughs> they got to cancel your credit cards or something. Uh, delicious wine. Let's talk about price point. Now, this looks uh, in that uh, thirty five dollar range, or, or is this more of that precept value? Uh, this one is, uh, I think, 45? you know, no, in the stores, it's going to be 25, 25, bucks. there it is. So we really, we really, you know, that's, that's, that's the good. great, and that's the great thing about Washington wine is, is I think everything we do in Washington wine over delivers, over delivers. And that's, yeah. I'm glad you didn't say 45 because no. I want it to be, appro- it's approachable wine and it's really delicious. It, it definitely packs more bang for your buck than any California wine out there. Um, it's 25 bucks on the shelf and in a store is fantastic. Uh, delicious. And it's, uh, it's. Is that the same size bottle as the other one? Looks different. This Cabernet no, looks the, like a different bottle. The Cabernet gets a little. You could pick them up there. The Cabernet right. gets a couple extra, couple extra. Makes you think there's another there. drops and a couple more <laughs> drops in that bottle. Uh, tell me about this. So Cabernet Sauvignon, obviously, uh, really the new signature grape of Washington State because we're we find that Cabernet commands great prices and also has longevity, but also uh, is is um, grown very very well here in Washington State. Yeah. So this is. Almost all cabs, so 90, 96% Cabernet. We put a little bit of Petit Verdot in there just to brown things out and just a touch of Malbec. And the Malbec, it's it's amazing how much 1% Malbec just changes the aromatics and just sort of changes the lift on the finish of a wine. But it's we, we also want this to be a big, powerful, right compete right up there with some of the Napa cabs. I think you've got it. Um, this happens to be more of the food style of Cabernet Sauvignon. I think you know there's several kinds of Cabernets. When you think of Napa, I'm thinking you know um, seduction, generosity, voluptuousness, soft, and just like oh, I'm just really seduced. Um, we're in Washington wine, or even Bordeaux. Bordeaux is is about structure and complexity and length, and then you think about the story and all that gravel. But for Washington, kind of the best of both worlds here. You've got some of that fine structure, which is tannin and acidity, but you also, you have some of the, the mouthfeel that you want, but um, this has some tannin on it, and I think tannin is important when you have a Cabernet Sauvignon because people want to, you know, sometimes I work so hard, I ne- it needs to hurt a little bit. That shot of bourbon's got to bite a little bit. Well, and I think that's where you, this, this is definitely a wine that you can lay down, and and for me, that's that's the thing that's the most, it's it's really hard to talk about wine and talk about flavors because your idea of blackberry and my idea of blackberry are very different. But when we talk about that physicality, that tannin expression in the mouth, it's something that we all agree on. And so it's a, I think it's also something that's much easier to come back to six months or a year later or two years later and be like, wow, the first time I had this, it was just this big, super tannic, drying wine. And then a year later, I'm really getting this amazing, elegant length to it. And so it's a way to, it's a different way to sort of think about wine, but it's also a great way. It's a much easier sort of way for people to get access to talking about wine. When I talk to wine collectors, people who are interested in starting a cellar, I say always buy three. Buy at least three of something and open one when you get home. If you haven't tasted it at the tasting room or whatever, open one when you get home and so see how it is and then wait when you think it's ready and then don't wait too long, but better to drink wine a day early yeah. <laughs> than a day late, right? Yeah, there's, there's there's something to be said for for cleaning out the cellar and finding that bottle of wine that you forgot it was ever there and you come back and you're like there's no way this will be good and you open the cork and it's 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 one of those transcendent experiences so that's always that's always a good thing too well uh, i'm really pleased and i'm proud of these wines i think uh, this is a great you know to have uh, the term brown the name brown on it obviously we can think of those vanity projects and like well i'm trying to do something special here but no, when washington you really are pr- producing a wine that speaks of place because we have this to me it tastes like washington if i were to place taste this blind i would probably figure out it was washington wine 
Uh, yeah, it's right in that mix. It's not Australian. It's not California. Mm-hmm. It's not um, Argentinian or Chilean uh, or French, for that matter. But Washington's found a spot, and these this is these are proud examples. And this is in that thirty dollars range too. Yeah, this is uh, see it thirty to thirty five bucks on the shelf. So a little bit more than the red blend, but but still a very very accessible price point. Absolutely. For a wine like this is a $70 wine in California for sure, yeah. no problem. On the shelf if you can get it. 85 bucks. And people would be ooing and aahing if that's California. Well, you got the tannin in there this time. I mean, that's a real that's a real um testament for good winemaking and um of course regional styles different in Napa, of course in Washington state. We're blessed with um the great growing degrees and um the sunlight hours and of course plenty of water and that really poor soil we've got. Poor soil. <laughs> uh, so fun. So, how many wines do you? How many uh, wines do you oversee? How many different wine bottles? I mean, if you think of all the expressions that you have in the preset portfolio, how many wines are there? Uh, there's more than marketing probably wants me to say, but it's 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 more than four hundred. Um, it's it's a big holy smokes. It's a it's a big docket, but that's coming from all over the world. Sure, that's that's a lot of different programs for a lot of different retailers. We we've got our we've got our fingers all over the place, um, and and I think it's it's a great thing for us as a company to have that much sort of diversity of exposure. I agree. For our winemakers, and then also still allow them to be focused on making making things like this that really are you know we're we're just trying to put both feet forward as best we can well uh great job it's great to have the um the exposure to other worlds or not other worlds other countries and other wines because that gives you perspective about what's possible what's going on and how you might stack up per se in the world of wine um you guys stack up really well uh hal landvoit with the director of winemaking thanks so much for joining me and happy our radio yeah thank you very much and happy father's day to all the dads out there happy father's day hey it's brown family vineyards check it out it's uh four four thirteen at first avenue first avenue and it's right next to carmine's it's it's a beautiful little tasting room. I'll be down there, uh, of course, most Seahawks Sundays. I'll pop by. We'll do uh, champagne shooters after every victory. Hey, folks, stick around. I've got Jeff Lindsay Thorson with uh, RN74 coming right up on Happy Hour Radio. loud he's proud holding nothing back michael savage the savage nation weeknights nine to midnight talk radio 570 kvi now more kvi want to know weekends back to happy hour radio with christopher chan all right hope you're having a great saturday night uh, it's my pleasure to bring uh, one of my pals the advanced sommelier the director of wine over at rn74 it's jeff Lindsay thorson hey man welcome back thanks good to be back good to have you here uh you're growing grapes right I uh, work. W- I have contracts with seven different producers, uh, or pardon me, grape growers uh, from the Willamette Valley to Walla Walla. Uh, yeah, pretty much everywhere in between. Wow! And uh, how's the vintage so far? This being June, is uh, flower set is set taking yeah, over? Yeah, we're in the midst of bloom. Haven't had any problems uh, so far. <laughs> Looking like you know, knock on wood, it's going to be uh, just a, a nice. Easy vintage. Um, we've had a succession of infernos. Uh, last year tapered off a little bit at the end and made for some really beautiful, kind of fresh styled wines, which was a nice uh, a respite from some of the kind of bigger, punchier wines we've seen in the last several vintages in Washington. What was your first vintage with WT? Uh, I started screwing around in 2007. I quickly realized I didn't know what the hell I was doing, despite uh, a couple harvests in Oregon and Washington, and then uh, took myself to 
Burgundy and then to New Zealand to learn a little more. Came back and uh, then have been very slowly growing. But now we're at uh, between WT Vintners and Raconteur Wine Company, almost 4,000 cases of wine. Oh wow! Good for you, Raconteur. I love that. That's the that's the cool label. Um, is that twist off? It is. All Go right. for speed. Go for speed. I like it. You doing liter bottles yet? Not yet. I've been wanting to do liters. A Gruner Veltliner under WT for ages, but uh, it's uh, the the public perception is isn't uh, doesn't correlate uh, a, a crown cap with uh, a crown cap right. with a with quality. Uh, Regardless of what may be in the bottle, maybe you just gotta um, put a rubber band, a little of those brown paper bags on the rubber with a rubber band. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. pop it. And drop yeah. Oh, it. then uh, that uh, forty ounce, uh, you know, product. It's you know, it's really a thirty-two, but uh, that's uh, I think that's paving the way for uh, for Is that regressive? perceptions. Regressive, uh, you think? I think it's uh, nostalgia <laughs> versus <laughs> regression, but not perhaps, but maybe a little regression. Yeah, old so. Washington eight thousand is what's going to be. It's pretty. <laughs> Those hot vintages. <laughs> Actually, they'll come out of Napa because all I'll be making is high-octane wine. Um, well, you know, it's been a, a it's my fault because I was traveling and galvanizing around the world, and I missed the start of asparagus season, and it's one of the most heralded things that come from Washington State, asparagus along with cherries and apples and peaches and corn and walla walla onions and everything else that grows in the ground. But uh, you're an asparagus professional because you actually make Gruner Veltliner, so that really makes you an asparagus pro. It is, uh, yeah, I think two of my favorite things. I love Gruner Veltliner, and I love asparagus, and being here in Washington, it's uh, the... Uh, We've had asparagus for a whole lot longer than we've had Gruner Veltliner, but uh, now we're maybe 20 acres in the state, and it it really is one of the perfect wines for the for the vegetable. So, uh, RN74, uh, did you have any asparagus menus? I know that the chef there, uh, very talented. His name is Thomas Greasy. Thomas Greasy. That's right, because we did that. Uh, you we were doing the uh, um, Beaujolais uh, chat uh, a couple months ago, and um, did Greasy have a, a great menu paired to something? Uh, he's always using the, the the foraging of of Washington. The produce and things. Yeah, right now we are like riffing on spring pretty hard. He's got a dish with uh, so grilled asparagus with uh, local with a little morel and a uh, morel beef jus um, that's just so kind of ramps it up. There's fiddlehead ferns. I mean, it is uh, it is kind of taking all of the flavors of spring and just and bring them onto one plate. It's really uh, it's an intense and wonderful dish. I bet um, you know what's great about Walla Walla is of course they got asparagus through Yakima and even Walla Walla, uh, but they also have morels out there. Have you been morel foraging at all? Uh, down in the gorge a bit. Um, so after all the fires this year, there's oh, I right. think next year we'll sell. It's going to be crazy. Um, you know, barring I'm if glad there's, those if there's fires water for well, something. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, there's <laughs> absolute tragedy, but uh, morels you know kind of grow in two different ways. Um, you know, whether you know, they grow in. Uh, in kind of old decaying forests, and they grow uh, after an old forest has burned, and so uh, it makes for makes for two very different kind of tasting uh, morels as well. The morels we're working with right now are actually uh, from just east of Walla Walla in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, the blues, uh, and I know um, our vineyard manager Kenny Hart over there in Walla Walla. Uh, he is a, a serious hunter. I mean, he actually shoots them. <laughs> it seems like in a barrel, it comes back with a big old five-gallon bucket of uh, giant morel caps, which um, is just amazing because it's like, those are in the store? Those are like gold. Yeah, they are. Uh, this year, I've, um, you know, I go and I kind of I'll bounce around to a few stores and try to price them out because, as you said, they're brutal or go to the farmer's market. And they've, uh, this year, they've 
been you know down like 15 16 bucks a pound which is super affordable that is they're good. usually you know early in the season they're like 30 bucks or and you just you know just walk away yeah <laughs> i know um and hopefully they're a little drier too because morels can actually hold a lot of moisture and then you know one of that just evaporates um so uh, tell me about some what's happening you got any events coming up and hey wait before i say that i was on facebook the other day and i saw a picture of a 1934 grand Echezeau from Barry and Brothers, and they were saying, RN74 had this wine. Tell me what happened there. Oh, yeah, so just one of our guests who's a big uh, Burgundy lover um, came in. Uh, oh, had, I had reached out to him and let him know about uh, how we'd kind of been growing our wine program over the last six months or so. When RN74 in San Francisco closed, um, I got the benefit of cherry-picking uh, that wine list, and so one of our one of our investors, Wolf Jager, is considered one of the great Burgundy collectors in the world, and his cellar has fed both uh, both R and seventy fours list for uh, since since we opened. But uh, there were some just ridiculous gems on there: eighteen seventy seven Lafitte, you know, nineteen thirty four Romani Conti Grand Sechezo, um, just I mean, outrageous outrageous wines, and so I was able to bring those up. Um, and essentially bring them up. He basically reclaimed them, and I was able to bring them up here uh, through his personal cellar and then purchase them for our restaurant. And so now we have this, uh, we took a pretty spectacular list, and then I did some heavy shopping in France as well, and so now we've got a wine list that you know, uh, spans back till back to 1877 to, to current release, and Burgundy's from... You know, from twenty eight dollars to uh, twenty several thousand dollars. <laughs> Great, something for everyone. Yeah, something for everyone. <laughs> However, the nineteen thirty four uh, Romani Conti Grand Sechezo was uh, was ridiculous. I mean, what a it was uh, pristine. The cork was in good shape. The bottle was uh, it, the wine still had fruit. Um, I think there was a large group that drank it. So several people. And I drank it a little, drank it fast for fear that it was going to fall apart and they were going to lose the moment. I had my little, my glass off to the side and kind of nursed it over a couple hours, just mostly smelling it. And it, uh, I mean, uh, what a, a, a revelation that something, it, what is that? I can't do simple math. It's 84 years, something like that. Um, Very good. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, you know, that a, that a wine of that age is, uh, is still has any semblance of freshness, uh, is, is out, is, Incredible! What an I, honor to try it. And ironically, it's one of the few things you want to smell that's 84 years old. <laughs> Truth. Um, you have a huge wine list. And, of course, you, you're more than just Burgundy. Uh, yes. RN74 is the named after the Route Nationale, uh, which runs from Dijon to uh, where? Uh, down south. Down, yeah. down essentially through all the Grand Cru's kind of dumps out into uh, almost to the Mackinac. Mackinac. All right. And, uh, but you do have Washington wines. and uh, you, you have a bunch of wines by the glass. I think that's one of the hallmarks of your program. You've got an Enotech, right? And yeah. So we run, uh, we have over 50 wines by the glass um, at any given time. Um, so take from one Madeiras, down, yeah, Madeiras, uh, back to the, you know, back to, you know, uh, 1950s, 40s, 50s, depending on the day. Um, Washington wine, Burgundy, Bordeaux, uh Dabbling into California, and then some blue chip wines like pouring, you know, uh, you know, old Cayuse and things like that. So, um, and then we run a, from happy hour at seven bucks a glass for a little for a, a, a little uh, petit perrier uh, Pinot Noir to at seven bucks to uh, right now Romani Conti Corton 2013 for two hundred bucks. And so, we really try to create an opportunity for guests to experience 
everything that that they want to. If they want to have a half glass of something uh, absolutely outrageous, um, they can, or they can just have something absolutely del- delicious um, at at a much more modest price. And well, not only special. is the selection fantastic. Obviously, you have the right glassware and the beautiful stemware, of course, and it's a great uh, place to taste it. You've got the high windows. There's plenty of light in there, and uh, it's it's really goes great with the food. I mean, anytime you're there, um, it's it's one of those places that was built as a wine tasting restaurant. Exactly. I mean, the you know the heart and soul of of the restaurant is wine, and then it was kind of building everything else around that. Um, which is pretty rare these days. It is these these days, and uh, funny how so many new restaurants are popping up. And um, you, this is your fifth year, fourth year, fifth year, seventh. What? Yeah, 2011. So yeah, I've just uh, I've we are yeah we're a week away from our seventh anniversary, oh, and geez. we'll uh, kind of parlay that into Bastille Day and have a little fun. Um, but yeah, I was uh, just. You know, on LinkedIn the other day, everyone was sending me all these congratulations to my work anniversary. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> I know. I remember that, but it takes me back because that was part of the uh, the big crisis. And, and I was like, God, can that really sustain? I mean, open a new restaurant at this time. But all that stuff happened like years before. It wasn't like, oh, let's just open a restaurant today. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And you've got a, a great staff down there. But you're closed Sunday. Mo- Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, closed Sunday. And then we just do, we do dinner service uh, Monday through Saturday. Fantastic. Well, I Hope you'll be able to stick around. Speaking with Jeff Lindsay Thorson, the director of wine over at RN74, and also the winemaker for WT Vintners here in uh, Woodenville. Um, stick around. We got a couple more things to chat about right here on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m., KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, hope you're having a great Saturday night. It's time for our fourth and final segment, and I got my pal Jeff Lindsay Thorson, advanced sommelier. The director of wine over at R and seventy four, which is on Fourth Avenue, uh, a great place. They got over fifty wines by the glass, and you can have. Uh, they got a great happy hour too. I think you got some some. Is it Pabst or is it Rainier? Uh, usually Rainier. You <laughs> <laughs> can class it up for things like Cronenberg as well. But uh, I love a Cronenberg. Yeah, uh, I love a rain dog. Um, I still like the tall neck rain dogs, and anything in a can actually is, is good for me too. A, you know, pool pond, it all works. Um, so the big French holiday, and you being a French themed restaurant, of course. Is uh, Bastille Day, and uh, you know I'm a big fan of Les Misérables, and uh, but really this is a chance for the uh, the regular folk to partake like a bourgeoisie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you've got a big, uh, you've got a great menu. Of course, there's a, there's some great uh, classic French restaurants here in Seattle. We were just chatting about them. You said like Le Pichet, Campania, Luke. Um, Lule. Lule, yes, yeah. of course. So uh, if you're going to go out and, and Bastille Day, this is July 15th, is that right? It's a Saturday. Um, it is uh, really a day of celebration, and I know that anybody who's got a little French in them likes to, unless you're, of course, you're um, you know, a baron or something like that, you're <laughs> probably running away in case the throngs of people come to take you down. But uh, you've got a great menu over there. Of course, your happy hour, is it, do you have happy hour on Saturday? Uh, we do, four to six. Four to six, so you can pop in there for a little bit of uh, happy hour. And uh, oh, Saturday, July fourteenth is the Bastille Day. I was a day off, which isn't you know rare for me. <laughs> it's one of the things that happens when you're here to drinking all day. Uh, it's tasting. Sorry. Um, so, uh, what do you got planned for Bastille Day? Uh, so we're gonna do uh, just 
keep it fun and lighthearted. We kind of do play it. We'll have some, uh, you know, pseudo gambling tables. Obviously, no currency exchange to keep it all on the up and up. But uh, just keep it playful. Have uh, food and wine specials coming out of the kitchen. Cocktails. Our bartenders have been hard at work uh, creating some kind of signature cocktails for the day. Um, there'll be opportunities, you know, raffles and things in order to win some prizes, dinners, um, potentially bottles of wine and things, and things of that nature. We're going to go from 10, uh, pardon me, at 12 to five, just in the, oh, uh, great. give everybody the afternoon on Saturday, um, and then transition into, our into dinner service, which I think will also, uh, you know, the, the convivial atmosphere will continue, um, but we'll transition into, uh, into what our chef does best and really just executing, uh, of uh, very you know inspired uh, French inspired uh, Pacific Northwest cuisine, and definitely uh, you know we're a French restaurant, but we'll like, really French it up for best deal day. All right, well I like that. Uh, you'll have French fries too, I imagine. Naturally, <laughs> of course. Avec the duck fat fries, the real stuff. Um, and you actually are. Uh, this is your eleventh vintage, right? Seven, eight, nine, ten, twelfth. God, I don't know anymore. W.T. Vintners. Yeah, it's, and, uh, yeah, it's, and you are really one of the pioneers of white wine here in Washington State with Gruner Veltliner. Uh, yeah, I got, uh, there was prior to us, um, a couple wineries were making it, and then now it's uh, Sinkline and I, uh, they're down in the Columbia Gorge, um, the Underwood Mountain Vineyard. They, they, they were really the pioneer of Gruner, and I tasted their wine and went, whoa. I uh, reached out to James down there, and he m- introduced me to the grower, and we've uh, slowly kind of slowly made more. Um, it's a pretty marginal climate, so some years we make 100 cases, some years we make 250. Um, you know, in those big in those big years, I think we're the largest producer of Gruner Veltliner in Washington. Um, <laughs> but, the big uh, years, yeah. And now that would be a warm year, I imagine, because of course you get lots of wind over there in the gorge. Uh, but the the sunlight is important, and. Um, do you have any of the uh, like the Wachau styles, the Federspiel, the uh, Steinfeder, or uh, the uh, Schmaragd? Uh, our site is the the site is so vintage specific. Um, some years, you know, the we're just waiting on really we're waiting on flavor, and um, the grape ripens pretty late in at this site as it's quite cool. So we, depending on the vintage, sometimes we fall into that kind of Federspiel, lower alcohol, kind of grassy and bright, and then. Um, in the case of say our uh, our 2016, it's definitely richer. It's not quite to the schmaragd, uh, like botrytis kind of uh, uh, honeyed character, but it's definitely riper and richer. And given that uh, you know 2016 was the hottest vintage of all time, uh, you know, achieve in in Washington, um, it was yeah. it, it was the easy it was it was easy to achieve uh, greater ripeness. Um, but we're always uh, a lot of our picking in that vineyard, which is contrary to everywhere else we work with. We're kind of just watching the weather and uh, letting it hang out, let the acid come down from obscene to moderately high, and uh, letting flavors develop. And then when there's a monster storm coming, it's uh, that means it's it's time to. Uh, you know, give up the ghost and pick the fruit. Taste Washington had a great seminar on the Columbia Gorge this this last uh, April, and I really enjoyed it. I attended. It was really cool. Um, it's great to have you back in studio. So remember, uh, July 14th, Saturday, it's r 74 Bastille Day. But, of course, check out their menu. they got the this, this spring going on. we got morels, asparagus, and you can probably get a glass of W.T. Vintners. Maybe. <laughs> Jeff Lindsay Thorson, uh, Wine Director, RN74. Hey, man, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be back. Awesome. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. We had uh, Hal Lanvoy, Director of Winemaking for Precept. And you do check out that Brown Family uh, Vineyards Tasting Room there on First Avenue. Of course, stop by RN74. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.